Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither whatever they do prospers. Are you in? All right, let's grow. God bless you as you're having a seat. Hey, in fact, uh, and I'm having a seat as well. I, I think that you guys know this, that I have a, uh, I get, oops, that's what, that's why he's here. Um, uh, that that I'm, I'm trying to be more like Jesus because when Jesus taught people, he sat down. So this is kind of Christian. You know, I, I'm a better Christian because, you know, when you're a Christian, you're following Christ and he's your example, right? Some of you think that is really weird, but hey, it, it works. If it works, it works. Hey, also, while I'm having my seat here, uh, I, I, want to, um, I want to recognize uh, Jim and Sheila. Sh- Sherry, why do I keep saying Sheila in my brain? I don't know. It's the S-H, and, and, but, but, uh, but it's really good to see you. Jim and Sherry Wyatt. They are here. Uh, they're, they're my friends. They're my new friends, but they actually lead. A, a homeless ministry in in town and and in fact the homeless ministry that they that they lead really reaches out to people that are are some of the ones that just nobody else is even able to reach out to they're not even allowed into a lot of the facilities around downtown they're basically the ones that sleep on the streets regardless of what's going on and um, these guys minister to them you guys you're Jesus to this community you 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 are you are and in fact, I'm going to do something crazy here. Um, we all stand, stand, and, and if you guys are around them, I want you just to just to lay hands on them. We're going to pray for you, okay? What you're doing is not easy. It takes a lot of courage to do what you're doing, and there's you're misunderstood, but you're loved because you're reaching out to the people in my neighborhood. Jesus, I thank you, Lord, for this couple. I pray for you to bless them. God, you rescued Jim out of a life of alcoholism and self-hatred and loathing. And now you're using him as an instrument of light in one of the darkest corners of our community. And I pray, Lord, that you will bless him. Bless both of them, God. I pray that the, the, the life of God will flow through them in amazing ways both today and in the days ahead. And you will use them to do great, great exploits for you. Because when we minister to the very least of these, we're ministering to you. When we give a cup of cold water to the very least of these, we're doing it to you, Jesus. And that's what this couple's doing. So bless them now. Meet their needs. Prosper them. Give them focus and and, and, and wisdom and, and special supernatural protection. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Amen. You guys have a seat. All right. Woo. See, I like folks like that, you know. Um, thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thanks also. Well, I just need to tell you guys something I sinned last week. 
Um, some of you, I know you're highly disappointed. I even broke the law, and so I decided I need to go ahead and come forth and confess. I've always said this, that, um, that one of the most therapeutic things about being a pastor is that I get to confess my sins publicly. <laughs> you don't. And, and it allows me to move forward. Those of you who, who are the therapists among us, you're going, ooh, very therapeutic. Yes, it is. It is. But, and then some of you, you're looking at me all holy and silly with the pastor sinned. Ooh, I don't know about that. Oh, come on. Get over it. You sin too. Don't, don't act like that. Uh, but I just get to share mine from the platform. Now, most of you know that I have a broken patella. That means my kneecap. And, and it is in two pieces. And it's not fusing. And my doctor doesn't like that. And I'm in a brace. And now my doctor, because she's so upset with me, she's also put me in an immobilizer over the brace. And I just don't like it at all. And I have to wear this obnoxious thing for the next 25 days at least. I'm pretty upset about that. But I'll just tell you, it's, it's just life. But now, what I've, what I've discovered, though, is that getting around is not as simple as it used to be. I, I all of a sudden have this new appreciation for ramps, you know, ramps into buildings. I, 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 I like automatic doors. I even love those huge bathroom stalls in public places, you know? I used to think of them as kind of like, like a first-class suite, you know, like, ooh, I'm going to the first class here. But now I just appreciate the whole setup. It's kind of a cool gig. Uh, and, and now, just to let you know, I have my official handicap placard. <laughs> And, but this is actually where the sin part comes in, so let's start talking about it. Several days ago, I had to be out on my own, and it was wet outside. And, and this is one of those things you don't really think about till you're in the situation, but just to let you know, crutches don't work very good on wet surfaces, especially in Texas oily parking lots. And so uh, knowing that I had a legitimate handicap, hello, I broke the law. Specifically, the law I broke, just so everyone can know, is Transportation Code, Title 7H. It is Chapter 681 and is known as Privileged Parking. I parked in a handicapped space, and uh, that was my first sin. Now, my first sin um, could be excusable, but then I committed a second sin, and I would have to say my second sin was more grievous. So here it goes. See, a car, a car drove up next to me and parked in another handicapped space. And, and as I was struggling to get my crutches on, I mean, get, get on my crutches and get out the door, I have to kind of like gently lift my stiff leg out and shovel myself out or whatever and grab onto things and do all this stuff. This, the, the, this car speedily pulled up in the space next to me and this angry looking lady, she, she, uh, she slapped her handicap par, uh, placard in place, which I happen to remember very clearly, it expires in August of 2019, and mine expires in May of 2016. So, I, you know, actually, I didn't even have this at that point. So, but, but, but she jumps out of her car and runs into the store, and, and I was like, oh, Okay, well, isn't that convenient? Well, well, at, at this point, um, it, it had taken me, it really takes me about five minutes to really get out of my car, get everything together, and get moving, and about three minutes later, I was still kind of getting things together. I was out of my car and getting my backpack on and ready to, to crutch into the store. And she came back out with a with this carton of, of cigarettes, and she stands in front of me and lights one up. And, and so I hauled off in sin. I, I, I was tempted to be sarcastic, and in the classic passive-aggressive style, I wasted no time in caving to this absolutely delicious temptation. 
I, I exclaimed to her, I said, wow, it's a miracle. You would be so ashamed of your pastor. <laughs> she scowled at me as if I had lost my mind as she's lighting up her Marlboro Light 100 cancer stick. And, and so I, I, I went a step further and, and I said, I need to meet your amazing doctor or go to your church because you had been healed. I said it like that. I, I said, I am so encouraged by how nimble you are because, because you have a handicap placard and you have totally recovered. Hallelujah. Oh, I, that was wrong. See, she frowned at me angrily. Some of you are disgusted with me at this point. That's just a, but it was, she glared at me. And, but see, I get to be therapeutic. I, um, you know, you're going to have to deal with your own issues and deal with your own way of getting over how angry you are at me right now. But, but she glared at me, and then she looked at my car, and she said, well, at least I'm not breaking the law, idiot. <laughs> Two sins, double sin. I felt bad. I did... Ask Jesus to forgive me. That's why I can say this with a smile. I sinned and I fell short of the glory of God, but I got a whole lot of it back. And, and but now I have my own special handicap placard. And, and, and so I'm proud of that. But, but hey, the, guy, the thing is, guys, I am glad for laws. Uh, laws create good, healthy boundaries around us. And, and I like it best uh, when the laws agree with my opinion. Um, but, you know, that doesn't always happen. So what we do in our great nation, what we do is we elect leaders into public office, federal, state, local office, to create laws and to maintain this stuff that we call law and order. I'm grateful for our type of government, which is a democratic republic. And in case you haven't noticed, it is now political season in America again. And this, this presidential political season is the normal time when, when Americans love to polarize. And what, what, what Americans do is they religiously, which is the problem, religiously back candidates for political office. And uh, so the question is, how did Jesus deal with these political issues? How did he deal with political positions and political leaders? Well, another question would be then, what is God's official strategy for political leadership? And what's a biblically healthy approach to politics? I'm going to begin to dissect that just a little bit today and really hit some headlines. But there's a, there's a, there's a bigger question, I guess you could say, at stake. And, and that, that bigger question is, if we really are, as our church, a Bible-based, Jesus-focused church, how can we, as the church of Jesus Christ, behave ourselves in a very politically divisive culture? And it's going to be that way for the next year, at least, because we don't elect the president for another year. Well, first thing we need to do is to look at some foundations. And, and fundamentally, I want to say this. All authority comes from God. Now, this is a thinking message, and I want you to think deeply with me. Now, I said all authority. All authority comes from God, whether it's your boss, it's your parent, a pastor, a mayor, a governor, a, a president. And, and I'm just telling you right there, that messes with some of your minds, and you're kind of like all thrown off. In fact, Jesus even stated this to the political leader who was the one who pulled the trigger for him to be crucified. He said this to Pilate, the Roman governor. He said, hey, you would have, he didn't say hey, but he said, you would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. So the next time you have someone in authority over you who is evil, remember God gave them their authority for a reason. And that authority is given to that leader for a reason, either to be an instrument of blessing to people or to be an instrument of judgment to people. 
I think we need to get wise to that fact. And, and, and when we do, it will cause us, I believe, to be even more uh, honoring of authority in general, understanding that it all comes from God, yet it will also help us to be more wise about who we put into office to be handed power by God. That's really important, guys. There's a lot of power in names. Um, when you say certain names, emotions rise up. Uh, so I want to play a game with you. I, and this is going to demand huge self-control on some of you guys. But do the self-control thing, all right? I'm going to say some names. And, and I want you to think about the emotion that you feel, but you're not allowed to express it. Deal? Deal. Deal? For real? All right, all right. Here we go. All right. Here we go. Here I'm going to say the names. No emotion shown on the outside. Barack oh, Hussein Obama. Some of you are showing emotion already. Okay. Donald John Trump. Hillary Rodham Clinton. George Walker Bush. Now, you know the truth. Those names incited emotion in you, every one of them. It may have been the anger or elation. It could have even been uh, disgust or hatred. Because names have power. Now I'm going to give you another name. Jesus Christ. Now you can show emotion on that one, all right? See, his, but see, his name uh, evokes those similar emotions, either anger or elation for some people. But, but of all of those names that I just gave to you, there's only one that really counts and one that really matters more than all the others, regardless of the emotions that his name incites within our culture, and that's the name of Jesus. On Tuesday evening, uh, five blocks from here, in that direction, at the very beginning of our city council meeting, I'm going to pray a blessing over the city of Fort Worth. And I'm going to pray a blessing over our political leaders. And I'm going to do, unashamed, do it just unashamedly in the name of Jesus. Now, I've done this plenty of times before, and I've been criticized for it and I, because I know some people are going to cringe. But it's not my problem. You see, because no matter how wonderful all of our political leaders are, there is one leader who is above them all, and his name is Jesus Christ. The ancient uh, Jewish prophet Isaiah, he stated it this way. He, he said, for to us a child is born, and to us a son is given. And look at this, the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Look at this, of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end and he will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness forever and ever and ever. Okay. Now you might say, well, what's all this talk about ruling and reigning doing in the Bible? Uh, well, this is actually talking about the role of Jesus. See, it's important to know this. Jesus is going to literally physically rule the world in the future. He will. And I, I have the privilege of working with politicians. I get to interact with politicians. I serve my city with people of various political persuasions. And the truth is, I love them all, um, whether I agree with their political positions or not. Just go on the record. That's, that's really the truth. But my political position is not about celebrating the 
Democratic leader or the Republican leader or the Tea Party leader or the Socialist leader, even though I care significantly about politics. See, my political position is quite different from most because, but, but, but I also know this, is my political position is the most solid political position that a man can have because my political position is actually permanent and it won't change. Here it is. There it is on the screen. In fact, do you realize, I, I, this has actually been, like on Facebook where you have, this is your political views. This has been my statement. It's been up there since Facebook existed. So let's just go ahead and get this started. Here it is. Jesus Christ on the throne of his worldwide kingdom. That's my political position. Now, you might say, well, that's an easy way out position. Come on, Pastor Tim. No, 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 not at all. Because this guy gets scorned and mocked because of it, but I don't really care, and I'm very passionate about it. Even if I get criticized for being eternally minded above being temporal minded. Why? It's because Jesus Christ on, the, on his eternal throne as the world leader is my destiny, and it's your destiny too if you're a follower of Christ. See, every government in this world is going to fail, including the United States of America. I love my country, but there's also a much better kingdom on the horizon, and the truth is, I'm all about that kingdom. In Jesus' conversation with Pilate, the Roman political leader who pulled the trigger for his execution, and this is when Rome existed and it was the most wonderful, thriving thing in the face of the world, and they thought it was never going away, which def definitely did go away. This political leader said to Jesus, so, you're a king? Jesus answered, you say correctly that I'm a king. Look at this, for this I have been born, and for this I have come into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. See, Jesus came into this world, what he's saying here, he came into this world to establish a kingdom. That kingdom exists now, actually in the hearts and lives of believers, but it will also exist in the future in a literal, physical, worldwide kingdom ruled by Jesus Christ himself. So specifically, what is my biblical position, my, my political position? Well, actually open your Bible because it's all laid out for you and I, I believe everything that's in the scriptures. You might say, but what about other political issues that are out there? And, and I totally understand that, that's a good question. See, but, but I want you to see it this way, think with me, our primary concern should be spiritual issues above political issues. That's important, guys. I say, well, then what are the spiritual issues? What are actually the things that are laid out in the scriptures that are seen over and over and over? We as believers have a responsibility to always speak to the issues of our culture. That's part of what we must do. That's part of the reason our church exists. And we must see things, though, from the biblical standpoint, regardless of whether it's popular or not, regardless of whether your particular political party agrees with you or not, or regardless of the latest fad. It's like, but if the government says it, and if it's the law, then we have to do it. Wrong. It was a political fad and it was a law in Germany just a few years back to starve and kill Jews and to starve and kill Bible-believing Christians. Does that make it right? Preachers during that time took an oath and swore allegiance to Hitler as the Messiah. And they kept going with their churches. But if they didn't, those preachers were killed. 
Dietrich Bonhoeffer, read his story. You'll understand what it's like living in a culture where the political climate has gone crazy and everyone's just marching along to their own demise. See, that's what we actually need to do. What's why we need to really actually do what the Bible says. I, I'm, I'm big time into that, guys. And, and the Bible says that we will eventually be ruling and reigning with Jesus in this future worldwide kingdom. So why not go ahead and start practicing it now and start learning about it now? See, Solomon said this well. He said, God devotion makes a country strong. God avoidance makes people weak. Yet, if, on the other hand, this is important, if we just simply are passing laws demanding a Bible-based way of life for the people in our culture, that, that still really doesn't cut it. It doesn't work. And guys, please know this. Hear me. Don't dissect my words and take little segments out. But I'm all into good laws that back the word of God. Definitely. But biblical values cannot be legislated. There has to be heart change. See, if I spent all of my energy as a pastor working to change the laws in my city or in my state or my nation so that they would align more closely with the scriptures, the truth is I would actually be missing the point. And it's not a bad thing, but it doesn't work. In fact, God himself stated that. That's why we have the Old Testament and the New Testament. That's why we have law and grace. See, because the truth is people's hearts have to be changed, and that's the job of the church. Culture only changes when hearts change, not when laws change. Laws always follow the hearts of the people. So as you watch the laws, you're actually seeing what the hearts of the people are doing. So you've got to get back to what, where the hearts of the people are. That's why the church has to continually preach Jesus and introduce people to Jesus and to do the works of Jesus in our community and make it known. That's why I'm excited about Tuesday night because another thing that I get to do Tuesday night is I get to make a presentation to the city council and I'm going to put them up there on the screens, the works of Christ being done in our community that, that I've been privileged to help lead and, and we're going to make Jesus known. We need to allow God to work his miracles in the hearts and lives of people. Yet the biblical perspective on issues will be the framework for Jesus' worldwide kingdom. So that's why it's important to speak the issues of today. But, but, but in reality, many of the great issues of our day, catch this, they're not political issues. What the politicians are talking about, they're not really political issues. Those are spiritual issues, many of them. Guys, we, we, need, we need to know the scriptures. We need to see and understand and address those issues according to the scriptures. Guys, you need to be involved we need to be involved and we need to do this, but do it with wisdom. Understanding this, that most politicians on all sides of the spectrum will attempt to make spiritual issues political issues. And that's where the danger lies for our nation. So please think before acting and reacting to political issues. Discern, dissect, be wise. While at, the under, while at the same time, understand this is that we absolutely must keep this long-term political focus. See, what's happening now in politics around us, guys, this is of huge importance. It's great importance, but let us not forget the long-term prophecy that there's only one name on the ticket, and his name is Jesus. 
we might have different political ideas and perspectives, and, but, but unity around Jesus and the scriptures is paramount. I have a friend. And this friend once had a large staff of full-time ministers, and he led a very powerful, extremely impactful ministry. And you've all heard about this team. Uh, he, he developed his team with people from extreme political positions, though, almost like what we would say today is communist and Marxist. But, but in spite of their political beliefs, after these men left that ministry team, they went out and they made a huge impact in all the world. The leader of that ministry team was Jesus Christ. A couple of his staff ministers were Peter and Matthew. Let me tell you a little bit about those guys. Matthew was a tax collector for the occupying Roman government. Matthew was a Roman sympathizer and he, he held a political office and a political position that was in huge support of the Roman political machine. And understand this, it was like something you've never seen before in your life because they did this forced, violent, bloody, very bloody occupation of Israel. A disciple. Peter was what was called a Jewish zealot. That was like a political party. He was on this opposite extreme. He was today's equivalent to the leader of a militia. He carried a weapon with him wherever he was going because he was looking to go to war at any moment so he could drive out and overthrow the Roman government. Now, it's important to understand this. Jesus selected these men. So why can't we work with one another even if there are differing political views among us? Guys, that's important. Because we can. That doesn't mean you turn your back on the scriptures to do so. Oh, come on. But we must work together. Jesus caused his disciples to belong in spite of their political and their economic situations. Peter and Matthew and others were chosen. They were selected and they were empowered to change the world and simply go fishing for people. Because presidents, politicians, and leaders, they are going to come and go. In fact, nations will come and go. Scripture says this is that surely the nations are like a drop in the bucket. They are regarded as dust on the scales. So guys, hey, please do this with me. Refuse to be short-sighted with your political views. Why invest your very best energies into something that's going to go away? Instead, why not be active, good citizens building a strong nation in the greatest state in that nation, hello, in the most amazing city in that nation, and do it with an eternal perspective? Oh my goodness, that's world changing right there. See, politics is always a stance. Uh, and the problem is, is that it's always shifting. It will change. Politics is a moving target. And if you only align yourself with those that you agree with, you're going to find yourself in a very small social network and it's going to keep shrinking. And then the more shriek and harsh you become, the more your social network is going to shrink. And that doesn't help change culture at all. You just become a loud, angry person who smokes Marlboro 100 lights and yells at people who call them on their sins. <laughs> Maybe. But you know, the truth is you're going to be lonely and angry. And the politician or the issue that you bled for 
may not be there tomorrow. In fact, very likely will be gone tomorrow. But see, as a church, we're part of this eternal movement. There's a stream that's flowing through uh, all the nations and through all the people groups in the world and through all times. And and we're also grounded and we're stable because we're grounded on the word of God. And the word of God doesn't change. We're following God himself and God doesn't change. So there's a much smarter way to behave, right? Yeah, at the same time, you do need to be active. You should vote. And you need to ask God, who do you want me to vote for, God? And then do so. But, but one, thing, one thing is for certain. If you look through the scriptures, uh, do it on your own. You don't even have to take my word for it. Just open the Bible. Look through the scriptures and take a look at the political leaders in scriptures who honored God, who acknowledged God, who lived by the word of God and invited the ministry of God's word into the palace or into the public square. These leaders who pushed back evil, those leaders were always blessed. And the nations they led were blessed even in the worst of times. Hey guys, know what you're voting for. In America, some people equate uh, voting with a particular party, you know, kind of like with, well, according to godliness, you know, their party is the most godly. And it, it's, it's funny because, because the truth is, is that people tend to vote for whatever party because that's who your parents voted for. You realize, I mean, I've read the statistic on that. 90% of the people who vote for a particular party, you're just voting who your parents voted for. That's it. It's like, well, I believe in it. Okay, yeah, that, that's fine. That's fine. I mean, but, but one side thinks that Jesus is this conservative Republican who just can't wait to turn on Fox News and, and goes out to the right to carry rallies and, and can't wait to go out and shoot his rifle, you know, and, and, and has a Sean Hannity t-shirt that he wears. And <laughs> There's this other side that thinks they're, they're convinced of this, that Jesus is, is a social liberal and he supports homosexuality and he thinks everyone should have equal access to all social security benefits around the world. And each side, here's the truth, will try to convince you that they have the scriptures to support it. Guys, here, here, listen to me. Don't be gullible. Solomon said this. He said, the gullible believe everything they're told and the prudent sift and weigh every word. During campaigns and, uh, and all of this, you're going to see politicians will use Christian symbols, and you've already, we've already taught a lot on that. They're going to use scriptures and all types of things to back up their positions. Don't be gullible, because anyone can extract a single scripture from the Bible and make it say just about anything you want by taking it out of context, just like you can take a little snippet of what I've said today, take it out of context, and make it sound like I said something that I never, ever said. Hey guys, don't be gullible. It's very, very dangerous. Solomon warns us against that. So vote, but be sure to weigh the candidates and ask God, God, who do I vote for? And at the same time, you need to respect your political leaders. Absolutely. When Nero was the king of Rome, think about this. Nero was the Caesar. Paul wrote these words about honoring government leaders. Now, if you don't know who Nero is, does anyone question who Nero is? Okay, you just, some of you members like overweight and kind of uh, grouchy about, oh, listen, he was the wicked guy who would cover Christians in pitch and use them as human torches at his nighttime parties. You want to talk wicked? That's wicked. What does Paul say to the people in Rome 
who were under his leadership. Listen to this. Listen to this. He's saying this to the Christians. Let everyone be subject to the government authorities. There is no authority except that which God has established. What? The authorities that exist have been established by God. He says it again. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from the fear of one in authority? Then do what's right, and you'll be commended. For the one in authority is God's servant. Hold on, wait, 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 wait. Nero is God's servant? The one in authority, at that time happened to be Nero, is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants, agents of wrath to bring about punishment on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities not only because of possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. That's why you also pay taxes, for the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If you owe revenue, then revenue. Respect, respect. If you owe honor, then honor. Now, this, I'm telling you guys, that scripture is true no matter who the political leader is. And I, I think about it this way. In the Bible, Daniel, he served under a variety of political leaders in a political position. Yet what he did is he flexed and he adjusted with every single one of them, yet he still held fast to his biblical values even though he was persecuted for it and even sent to execution but we never see him slamming others because of their political positions or views. He was faithful and involved in the government. Consider Joseph. Joseph, he served under a very ungodly Pharaoh. Yet what Joseph did is he adapted himself, he stayed true to his beliefs, and he faithfully led as the second in command of Egypt. Something to think about there. Also, we, we absolutely must pray for our leaders. We need to. It's critical. When I pray over our city on Tuesday night, I'm going to follow my practice that I normally use, and I'm going to pray over each leader specifically and personally by name, and I'm going to ask God to bless them. It's like, but Pastor Tim, you're going to ask God to bless the person that you disagree with? Yes! <laughs> God's blessing is always good, and it accomplishes good things. <laughs> Watch me. Paul says this to Timothy. He says, I urge you, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings, all those in authority, all those in all the all the all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. And this is actually good, and it pleases God our Savior, who wants what's the goal? God just wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of truth. So yeah, what what, what happens when you start praying for your leaders to be blessed? They just might get saved. <laughs> uh, will you pray for your leaders? Will you also live by the word of God and keep your eyes on Jesus? Because I believe if we simply rally around our cause, which is to simply make Jesus known, we're going to thrive. It's not my objective to try to persuade anyone to follow a particular uh, political movement except for just this one thing, and it's called the kingdom of God because it supersedes all other kingdoms. And it's the kingdom that always has been and always will be. And this is the kingdom that I personally will rule in under my King Jesus, so I'm going to learn the ways of it right now. 
Governments are important. You better believe it. Political dynamics are important. Yeah. But if we build our entire lives around trying to make and force certain political things to happen in this world, unless you're called by God to do it, and there are some who are called by God to do it, and the truth is, you're actually very short-sighted. As I live in this city, wonderful city, as I live in this state, in this nation, Tim Woody will focus on the bigger kingdom, the lasting kingdom, the eternal kingdom. That, my friend, is what I am extremely passionate about, and I'm unashamed of this. As a person meets Jesus and walks closer with him, they are way less likely to plunge into destructive behavior that cripples society, which is why we need to be obsessed with pointing people to Jesus rather than being obsessed with pointing people to our political preferences that are going to change. See, politics can change laws, but they can't change the human heart. Christians, we should and we must have political opinions. But can you imagine how awesome and wonderful our country would be if the leaders were more in love with Jesus than they were about the press and public opinion? Now, some of you might even be called by God into politics. And that's a good thing. But ultimately, Jesus matters. He's first. He reigns. And he's the only one who can change lives forever. And the more I read the Bible, guys, the more obvious it is, is that when God's people depend upon a political savior rather than a heavenly sa savior, they will always be severely disappointed. You need to remember that while politics will try to control the world, the gospel is the only thing that will change the world. It's the only thing that changes lives. And it starts with the individual heart. Would you close your eyes for just a moment focus internally? If you want to know this Jesus that we talk about, you want a clean slate and you're ready to live your life with a renewed sense of purpose, I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond if you want to be included in a closing prayer, make Jesus the Lord of your life, I'm simply going to ask you to raise your hand because faith is expressing outwardly what's happening inwardly. Just going to ask you to lift your hand, understanding this, that God loves you so much. He died for you so that you can have eternal life and everything in your life can change today you want to give your life to Jesus, would you just lift your hand for me? Because I want to pray for you right now. Just lift your hand for me. Pastor, that's me. I want everybody to stand. And if you raised your hand, I want you along with this entire group of believers, even if you didn't raise your hand, but you know you need to give, thing, give your life to Christ, let me ask you to pray these words with me. Come on, say it out loud with me. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying for my sin. I believe you're the Son of God. Forgive my sins. Today I give up my past and I embrace the future that you have for me. I choose to let your kingdom be my kingdom. 
Thank you for making me a part. In Jesus' name, amen.